Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Melissa Lawton. Melissa is the Chief Content Officer at SailGP. In this episode, we talk about creating content for an emerging sports league, navigating digital and broadcast audiences, and the importance of experimenting to fail. Hi, Melissa. Hello. Melissa Lawton is a sports nomad seeking the next generation of sports fans in all continents. Currently residing in London, her career philosophy has been to go where the most interesting developments in sports are happening, starting at the Sydney Olympics and then motorsports for Network 10 in Australia. Melissa moved to Beijing for the Summer Olympics with the Olympic host broadcaster before heading to Delhi as coordinating producer for the Commonwealth Games. Then via Melbourne, she moved to Salzburg to head up live event production for Red Bull TV. After five years in this action-packed role, she left at the opportunity to immerse herself in the digital social production at Meta, where she focused on production for the live rights Facebook acquired. At Meta, Melissa was fortunate to be at the forefront of the sports metaverse, VR and XR, working on emerging sports content for Oculus, for which she received an Emmy nomination, a Webby, and Sports Technology Award. It was the lure of the sea that took Melissa and her husband and two children to the UK, where she is now the chief content officer for Sale GP, the opportunity to join fast-growing league and continue building it with a high-quality remote broadcast production and wealth of stories to be told was not to be missed. Melissa, thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me to be here. Yeah, I mean, this is an amazing bio. I'm surprised that you said yes to come on my little podcast, so I'm grateful to you. <laughs> no, happy to talk about Sale GP. happy to get the, the word out, so to speak. Yeah, so let's do that. So for those that aren't familiar, what is Sale GP and how is it different from the America's Cup or other regatta that people might be familiar with? Look, Sale GP is a completely new racing league. And I guess what we're really doing here is redefining the sport as it was known in the past. And, and we sort of see it as a fast-growing sports entertainment property rather than something that you might traditionally think about with, you know, white sails um, out, out in the unknown sea somewhere competing in unfamiliar territory. So it's a, it's a racing series at heart, um, nine boats, 11 events, increasing to 14 next season, but it's stadium style racing, which is quite unusual in a water sport. It's close to shore. So the, the race course is really close to shore. In Dubai, um, some of our drivers uh, said that they could almost high five the fans as they went past, speeding past. But usually we're sellout venues in Sydney, Chicago, San Francisco, Singapore, Copenhagen. Uh, so very urbanised sport, which is, again, not how you'd normally think of sailing. And our goal is sort of to take the event to the broadest, widest audience possible and we do that by sort of putting a, an augmented reality field of play on that course. It, it basically shows you where the boats can go, where they can't go, who's in the lead. Um, anything else that you see around sailing is usually just, it looks like organised chaos. There's a boat going this way, there's a boat going that way. So we really sort of codified the sport in that way by creating the field in which they operate, uh, showing you who the leader is, showing specific data from the boats, like who's going the fastest, who's flying the highest, because these boats are also foiling catamarans, which means they pop out of the water when they're at speed. And the least you know, amount of time they spent in the water, the faster they go. So it's, it's really define, redefining elite sailing. 
it's nation versus nation as well, which is is quite different. So the best athletes uh, compete. It's not necessarily the best boat or the best club that's winning or the people who have the most money. It's really a sport that gives athletes an opportunity to earn a regular income through their sport. And it's also, and this is probably the, the, the biggest factor for me, it's broadcast friendly. Again, it's it's urban, so we can get cameras out there, a lot of data coming from the boats, so we can see who's in the lead. We have augmented reality field of play, as I mentioned. Um, but also each race is within a set time. So when there's low wind and the racing is not as dynamic as we'd hoped it could be, we could actually shorten the race so it finishes within the broadcast window. But really most of the time the boats are flying. It's very, very fast. It's it's adrenaline fueled, we would say, because it's powered by nature, which is our one of our talking points. There's no motors in these boats um, and it's it's, we hope it, to be a like highly sustainable long-term sport that that gives back to the planet. There's so many stories, right, to yeah. tell here. And you just, you know, it, it beautifully summarized the excitement around the sport. So you have these urban settings. People who've been to Dubai or Chicago know how breathtaking the cityscape is and how compelling a race right there in Lake Michigan in Chicago, for example, uh, might be. There's characters right? That make up the teams. There's national identity, right? There's the advancements in technology, all the stuff you just mentioned as chief creative and content officer here. Like, how are you telling these stories? Like, where do you start? Because it can be hard, I imagine, to tell them all simultaneously. Yeah, 100%. We can't tell all the stories at, at this point in time. We're sort of three seasons in, uh, fourth season. The end of our season comes up in, in May in San Francisco. And we need to really be intentional about what we're doing at this point in time. It's it's new. Again, we're redefining what people think sailing is uh, and we're really calling it racing. So we've broken down the storytelling really into three different chunks, I would say. It's our, it's our linear approach. It's our digital approach and it's our social approach. So we're really going on a platform basis for storytelling. And where we're putting a huge amount of effort is where we really see the broadest audience. And, and ironically, at the moment, that's linear, which is, you know, the, the background I came from way back when we see our live broadcasts literally taking off at the moment. And that's because, again, the extreme nature, the high quality of the athletes, most of these athletes are Olympians, have competed in other huge sports or huge sailing uh, events. There's a lot of drama between these athletes because, again, it's nation versus nation. So we um, we can see rivalries that pop up between the Australians and New Zealanders or the or the Americans and everyone else. <laughs> um, and we we tell those stories through sort of like I guess good racing storytelling. And we we had tried you know previously the educational approach, like trying to teach new fans about a foreign sport, trying to explain everything but the sport is is very very complicated very complex sport really interesting racing rules and so we sort of abandoned that a little bit you know put it on the back burner while we just tried to tell this sport as a racing sport much like motorsport without the engines so we don't talk about tacking and jibing because quite frankly I don't know what tacking and jibing is and I think it would take me a while to figure it out or know it by seeing it so we just so we just talk about turning left and right now we don't try to make every fan 
uh, super knowledgeable about the sport of sailing. But what we are trying to tell is that dramatic story of the racing, the strategy, the teams, the speeds, what it takes to win, focusing on those conflicts in the water and out of the water. The, the racing is so high intensity and high adrenaline, I guess. We, we do see crashes and, and it's, you know, different to a, it's, different to a motorsport crash obviously not not crashing into a wall when they crash at these high speeds into the water when they come off their foils when they do a nose dive when they go into a capsize it's almost like hitting concrete because of the speeds that they're traveling at so there is a lot of high i guess drama when boats come too close to each other or hit each other slightly or you know push each other offline there can there is an element of danger there, and, and we do try and really uh, talk about that in the right way. And again, it's it's the high tech sport, so we have the augmented reality graphics showing that field of play, so it's easier to tell that linear story, that broadcast story of this is racing and this is exciting. Our second our second sort of chunk, I guess, is very much the digital aspect of how do we start talking about the teams and these drivers and who they are. And it's, you know, it's an interesting topic because we have, you know, we have the drive to survive and now I'm, you know, welcoming to Wrexham <laughs> and, we, we, you know, try and tell stories behind the stories. And, and, and the, the way we've gone about it is to create content that tells, in each episode, tells a story of the team the drama that they're going through at the moment and sort of relay that back or connect that back to us as a league. So we're really trying to say, look, the Spanish team at the moment are highly stressed. They've had some wins. They've had some shocking losses. They've had some drama on the water. We try and tell their story through that idea of if they fall any lower on the ladder, they could be dropped from the league because you have to be a sustainable team. You have to have um, enough sponsors, you have to perform well, and that puts a lot of pressure on some of these, these athletes and these teams. So we tell the red wall story on racing on the edge about the Spanish team and how they're performing. But then the US episode focused on Jimmy Spittle, who's one of the greatest of all time, you know, sailors, you know, a man with incredible grit and and mental strength who is the ceo of the us team and and the key driver and you know his big challenge is is getting the boat set up with the right people in it and he's going for a younger generation to to sail these boats and you know the stress on him is is immense because you know sailing in in the us has had a bit of a dip and he's trying to sort of shore up the entire US sailing team, I guess, with, with better sailors and, and doing it through a squad approach. And, and then when we do racing on the edge, I guess what we've seen is that it performs really well as a 30 minute or, you know, that broadcast 26 minutes on the linear space, but in digital, we've split it in half. So an audience, you know, a casual viewer who comes to this piece of content, which you know, they're not quite sure about or don't know a lot of, you know, a lot about sale GP. They only have to commit 16 minutes of their time. You know, it doesn't feel like a 30 minute feature length episode. We put it into a smaller chunk so that they can approach it. They can learn a little bit about it and decide whether they want to continue, continue watching without taking sort of, you know, half an hour feels like half a day these, these days. So we've really sort of crunched that down to make it fit the platform and the viewer's expectations. 
And then, you know, that third piece is obviously social. It plays a huge, we've had massive growth across sort of reels and TikTok because of the nature, you know, that exciting nature of the sport and how the boats look and how fast they go. But social also plays a huge part in our storytelling for, say, like um, our Women's Pathway program. There's a woman on every boat and that's a really important part of our story because it's opening doors where doors have been shut for like decades um sustainability is a big part of our story and we use social to tell that to tell that as well because you know again we're powered by nature and we're trying to leave the world in a better place than we found it and then you know impact league there are two podiums and that's really strange you can win a podium or you can you know win the top spot by being the team that has the least impact on the environment or the most impact when it comes to, you know, sustainability or regeneration or giving back to society. So they're the sort of how we, you know, look at look at everything at the moment, but we're a long way away from telling all the stories. We're just, we're just trying to group them in categories that make sense to us and people who are finding us for the first time. What are some of the factors that might go into winning a podium or making a podium, I should say, for sustainability? Like, how are you measuring that? And then is there a way for your your fans to sort of contribute in some way to that measurement? Yeah, look, there's 10 criteria of which, you know, each team is judged on 10 criteria and it can be their carbon footprint. It can be um, their DEI strategy, like how inclusive they are as a team. There's a section called Use Your Voice, and that's, I guess, the section that I, you know, work on or I, I, I judge. It's it, using their social media accounts to tell the story of the sustainability. You know, other things that are measured, like how much fuel they use in their in their team ribs, their team boats. How do they get to the track? How do they fly? Are they flying economy? Because we know that um, a business class seat, you know, is four times the carbon footprint than an economy seat if they're flying. They A lot of them ride their bikes or scooters to the course from their hotels. They choose hotels that are um, have sustainability as part of their own mission statements. Of the 10 criteria, there's an auditor who goes through and, and double checks everything. And the team that does the best, obviously, uh, we we check it after every event. Fiona Morgan, our head of sustainability, you know, that's she runs that program and she works with the auditors to to check that everything is correct. They literally measure the fuel in the fuel tanks. They and, and then I look at the social media side of how they've used their voice to talk about sustainability. Uh, often they can do that through a podcast or they can do it through a newspaper article, but I'm really looking at things that, that have a very broad reach with a younger, impressionable audience, and that's that's mainly through social media. So reels, TikToks, all those sorts of things, we judge them for creativity. <laughs> we judge them for, you know, these teams are not just competing on the water. They really are competing for the earth as well. So you have a, an incredibly international audience, obviously, and while there's a shared interest in the sport, there might be cultural and geographic considerations when creating content here in the United States. You have a broadcast partner in CBS. I imagine that an American audience has an outsized interest in the American team. That's probably not true about audience in New Zealand. They probably don't really care as much about American, right? So you might be creating different versions here for both broadcast and digital, how do you navigate these nuances and are there any best practices that you've developed? Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're focused on racing because we want the fans to sort of look at the sport in terms of this is a really exciting X number of minutes of my life. 
you know. Uh, data research sort of showed us that, um, or data-based research, I should say, showed us that fans were highly engaged when boats were racing on the water. So we took a look at a lot of what, a lot of the things that we we're doing, and this sort of goes against the grain and it might be because, because we're so new or so young, but going against the grain, we actually dropped a lot of the team-specific rah-rah moments and let the teams do them themselves, you know. So the teams create themselves their approach to the New Zealand market, their social approaches in the New Zealand market, their, a lot of their content in, in the New Zealand market is, like, created by New Zealanders. So we're very, very, we're, we're hyper-local at that end. At the other end, we, we look at programming and, you know, what we make for CBS is a little bit different to what we make for um, Japan. And that's because in Japan, they will get a translated or they do their own commentary uh, in Japanese for a local audience. And they we, we deliver that to them and then they they make sure that's localised and distributed in the right way through, through J-Sports. France and Spain that have teams in the league we have producers who produce content that feels more specific to the French people and to the Spanish people. Um, sometimes we have, there's so many cameras on boats. So we have a large number of cameras and a lot of data and feeds coming back to our remote hub in London. So we have a Spanish producer there who can cut, I would say, the only word I could use is in-boat cameras, like in-car cameras, specifically of the Spanish team, how they're feeling, how they're reacting after an event. It sort of really makes it feel like a Spanish coverage. Uh, but for the U.S. audience, it's, it's quite interesting because you'd think that um, the U.S. audience were completely focused on the U.S. team, but we've found that uh, by reducing slightly the amount we talk about the US in relation to other teams and more about just racing and racing strategy in general, that has actually had a much, much higher impact on the audience and on an audience engagement. So our CBS broadcast, which has been the, you know, we had 1.6 million average audience on our, on our US broadcast, which is the highest viewed sailing event in 30 years. And we did that by a, trying to make sure that the audience did not have to worry about spending time watching content they may not like. <laughs> so we pretty, within two, two and a half minutes, I think, they were watching racing. And, and we figure, like, that's a casual audience. These are people who may never have seen the, the, the sport before. They may know Jimmy. They may know the US team. But in general, we want them to fall in love with the idea that this is adrenaline fueled racing and then we start in the breaks start to talk about what Jimmy and the crew have been doing or how they're, they're, they're tracking but the data shows that it's the racing at this point in time of, of the league that's more compelling than telling in-depth stories of athletes they haven't they they don't quite know well enough yet and I think when we go back and take a look at say a drive to survive. You need half an hour to tell Daniel Ricciardo's story. You need half an hour to tell the story of Lewis Hamilton to people who don't know the sport and who don't know the um, the athletes well enough. Uh, a live show or an as live show, you need to really get to to the most exciting parts quickly. I'll get you out on this question. We read in your bio earlier uh, in this episode. You spent time at Red Bull TV. You spent time at Meta. You have had a great career. Is there a learning 
from your time at these other companies that have most assisted you in your time now at SailGP? Something that you've taken from a prior stop that's benefited you here? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's that last point I just said. It's data. <laughs> I I used to, you know, as a as a female working as a sports in sports production, you know, as a producer, that's, you know, when, when I started out, um, there were very, very few of me and uh, you could sit in a meeting with, with someone who's an avid sports fan and I'm, I'm more of a casual sports fan. I like a lot of sports. I'm a big event watcher, um, but not necessarily following every game of, you know, a team. So when you, when you come at sports production or sports broadcasting from that perspective, um, you can't win every argument of someone who's an avid fan and telling you this is what the fans want, this is what the fans want. And I think as I as I got to you know Red Bull TV and it's, it was an it was one of the earliest OTT platforms. I think there was WWE and and Red Bull TV who really like going 100% forward in in OTT as the as the next generation of viewership or capturing your audience's attention. And what I learned there was like data told you a lot of things. <laughs> And data told me that the people who were avid sports fans did not necessarily know what the casual viewer, which is your biggest, the biggest part of your audience, wanted to see. And I started, I guess, that idea really came at me through Red Bull. And, you know, it's a, it's a consumer company. It's, it sells a drink, basically. So they're highly reliant on data to tell stories. But it was solidified at Meta. You know, you could see data. You could see how instantly how audiences responding to content. And then I guess it's not just about having raw data. It's about having the insights to tell you what the data is telling you. And then... I guess the other, the, the big one for Meta for me again was like, you know, you can have the data and the insights and you can really start to understand your audience and, and how, you, how, you know, they're watching. But then to experiment on how to get more people watching and experiment to fail is a big thing at Meta because it teaches you so much and you can then quickly drop something and move on to the next thing. And I think that, Again, in this seat as, as a, at, a, at a company that's, you know, really in its early days, we can experiment to fail a lot because we need to learn very, very quickly about what an audience wants and, and what sort of content they, they want to um, watch. And then I guess finally it's the idea of prioritisation. You know, we can't tell every story, as I alluded to and as you alluded to. There's just so much to talk about with a, with a new league um, and then there's so much knowledge that's not, you know, um, institutional yet. You know, you have to build so much up. And I guess what we've really done is prioritise what the company needs from, from content. And the company is very much focused on, you know, sponsorship, you know, sp sponsorship, broadcast rights, ticket sales. So those three things is like we really have to, there's many a things I'd love to do that would be really cool or could tell our story in a better way. But what am I doing to drive key company objectives through content? And that's, again, that, that was a really good learning and, and a, a learning I'm really appreciative of from, from Meta is, is how to really prioritize. I'm joined today by Melissa Lawton the Chief Content Officer at SailGP. Melissa, thank you so much for all your wisdom today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.